All right, good morning, everybody. Well, Happy New Year. How are you guys all feeling about 2022? Great. Some great, some not so good. Well, 2022 seems like it's a mixed bag of emotions. It seems like some are optimistic and feel like this will change. Others are saying, well, is this going to be just another year that we've gone through like the past two years? 2022, a year of unknown, where you don't know what to expect anymore. It's been a hard, it's been hard over the last two years, I'm not going to lie. We're still in a pandemic. Things seem to be getting worse and not better. So how do we look at a new year with fresh, per, with fresh perspective? How do we set goals? How do we make resolutions? Is there any point to it if it's all going to disappear if a new variant comes? I know it's been overwhelming. We're tired. We don't feel like we have any more room or that we're able to make space or have the capacity. Some of us feel like we're just holding on by a thread. So you're, you're like, well, John, we know that the New Year's message is always a message of vision and we, we, we anticipate to pile more things on. And I just can't pile another thing onto my plate today. So today, as we vision cast, I don't want to do that. But I hope today that I could bring an encouragement that helps us reconfigure or rearrange or recalibrate how do we approach this year. But I also want to encourage you to step into something that I personally am, I, am learning to step into as well. But let's pray before we get into it. Father God, we just thank you, Lord, that we are able to come into a new year with you. Lord, that every single year is the year of the Lord, and every single year we come and look towards you for your guide, for your help, and for just your favor on us. So, Father, as we look into this new year, may we capture just your heart. So, Lord, speak to us through your word. Bring an encouragement to our spirit. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 15. This is a very familiar passage to most of us that have been in the church for a while. John 15, 1 to 6 says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like branch and withers. And the branches are then gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. familiar passage for most of us that have been a part of the church. But what Jesus is doing is Jesus is giving us an illustration using the imagery of a vineyard to teach us of how as Christians we are, we are sustained. That in every vineyard there is pruning to be done and, that, and there's fruit to be produced. And as we, the church, are the branches in the vineyard and that branch cannot bear fruit unless it abides in the main vine which is Jesus. 
Jesus also says that I am the true vine, and apart from me, you can do nothing. What this simply means is that as a church, we can do nothing if we do not abide in Jesus, that we cannot and will not have a mission without the power and the presence of Jesus. But all of this begins with you. It begins with us individually making space to be with Jesus. So if you're still in a place of making a resolution or trying to do more as in like, I'm going to read my Bible more, I'm going to pray more, I'm going to meditate more, I'm going to encourage you to take some of that off your list. To take some of that off your list, and this is, you're like, you're a pastor, you shouldn't be telling us to do that. But I'm encouraging you to take this off your list and make space to be with Jesus more. This is what I mean by that. Over the past couple of weeks, as we're getting ready for Christmas, it's a very busy time for the church. It's a very busy time for our family. For, for I'm, I'm prepping for sermons. I'm tying up year-end stuff, making sure that we know what we're moving forward to next year for our sermon series and all of that kind of stuff. So the busyness of life was hitting hard. And I'm trying to juggle a million things here. So I thought to myself, you know what? I need to make more time to pray and study. I'm feeling a, list, a little misaligned, not in a bad way, but in a way where I'm restructuring a lot of things in my life. But as I, as I was going through that, I felt like I needed to be more grounded. So I decided, okay, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to read the Bible more. This is where I'm going to find my centering. It's all good, right? If I just pray more, if I just study more, I would be centered. Good idea, good intentions. My heart wanted to do the right thing. Christmas came along. I'm trying my best to do this thing. But one morning this past week, and every morning I get up with faith, oh, five, be between five and six in the morning. And because this week, as you all know, that our part of the morning prayer, there was no morning prayer this week. And so I decided, you know what, perfect week for me to do my own morning prayers uh, with faith. And my daughter's named Faith, so it's not like a super spiritual thing. I'm not just doing this with faith. But to do this with my daughter uh, as I feed her, as I get her ready in the morning, um, but I was like, okay, and if you guys take care of babies, you know, you don't really have too many hands to do things because they're always needing you to do something. So I, I'll, I'll plug in my audio Bible, I'll plug in one, one headphone so I can listen to, to, to the Word of God. Like, version has a great, version is great because they read the Bible to you, right? If you can't read, if you can't physically hold the Bible, play it in your ear. Like, it's, it's just as good. So I, I, I did that. I, I got my, my uh, headphones ready. I plugged one ear in, pressed play on the Bible, started praying, feeding faith, doing all that morning routine, really trying to get myself into this place of being centered. Monday went along, came great. Tuesday, great devotional time. Wednesday, I was getting to re ready to do this, and I was dragging my feet a little bit because I constantly have a million things going on in my head. Like sermons, people that I meet with, all of those things, and sometimes I carry a lot of the people that I meet with, their, their burdens on myself. and So that's why in the mornings I sometimes have to unload, you know? And so I'm getting ready for it, and whatever it was, in, my, in the craziness of my head, I heard Jesus say, just be with me. I said, okay, um, I'm going to be with you, what do you think I'm trying to do right now? I'm just 
getting all my headphones and everything ready. And she said, no, just be with me. So I was like, okay, I won't listen to the Bible today. I'll take it out. I'll just pray and meditate. So I sat. I said, okay, 10 minutes of prayer. You know, you know how we were just like, okay, I'm going to dedicate 10 minutes of solitary time with you, God. Jesus said, no. Don't try to pray. Don't try to meditate. Don't try to do anything right now but to be with me. So I'm sitting there in silence. As I settle into the silence and I'm feeding Faith her bottle, the silence came with it, peace. The silence came with it, joy. There was nothing. I wasn't praying, I wasn't reading, I wasn't meditating. I was just sitting there enjoying the presence of Jesus in the silence of doing nothing. You know when you have a great relationship with someone, you don't need to do anything but to just be with each other? It's like with my wife, her life is crazy. But sometimes in the evening when the kids are down and it's quiet, and we have our own things that we need to do individually, but we're just there with each other. Just the presence of each other is enough. We don't need to talk to each other. We don't need to do anything together. But just to know that we're in the presence of each other is enough for, for us. And that's what happened. Jesus sometimes doesn't need us to do anything with him. He just wants us to always be with him, to be present with him, and for him to be present with us. There's this well-known book called Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Brother Lawrence is um, this man born in France uh, by the name of Nicholas Herman. This book was written in the 1600s. I actually read this book as a required reading for, for seminary. But at the time as I was reading it for seminary, because it was required re reading, I didn't really take it too seriously. I got the gist of the book, but it wasn't something that I really took in. in. But this moment reminded me of this book so much that Brother Lawrence who joined a monastery not because he wanted to become a monk. He joined a monastery after fighting in the war, in the 30-year in the war in France. He fought for 10 years, and because of PTSD, he needed to get something different. He went to pursue God in a new way, so he joined this monastery as a layperson, not to become a monk. But his whole goal behind it was he was joining to, to pursue God in a new way. He was falling back onto his religious work, into his religious roots. And what he learned was he learned how to be mindful of God's presence in the mundane. He didn't do anything. He was a dishwasher. He, wor he worked in the kitchen of the monastery. He was a dishwasher, later promoted to become a cook. And then in his old age, because he couldn't stand anymore because of injuries that he sustained in the war, he became a sandal maker for the monastery. He never was a full-fledged monk, yet he got the name Brother Lawrence because he understood something. He tapped into something that nobody else tapped into. He attracted people to come to him because he understood he had a peace about him, a joy about him, and a love about him in the mundane task of the everyday. And what he was able to tap into was he understood what being in the presence of God was. He didn't journal about it, he didn't pray about it, he didn't sit uh, to breathe or to meditate. 
but he, all he did was he rested in knowing God's presence was to be with each other in the everyday life. People from all over the world came to seek after him, to learn that from him. I encourage you to pick up the book. The book is called Practicing the Presence of God, and I actually, I bought three copies to give away. So if you're interested in reading it, please come to me, talk to me after the sermon. I want to give you a copy. It's coming to me via Amazon this week, so I'll give it to you next Sunday. But I w encourage you guys to, to, to come to this place of to be. What is to be? To be is to abide, as John 15 says. To abide in Jesus when Jesus calls his disciples. If we go back to John chapter 1, we'll see that when Jesus calls his first two disciples, which is Peter and Andrew, they were followers of who? John the Baptist. They weren't actually followers of Jesus at that point. They were followers of John the Baptist. And when John tells the, his disciples, behold, this is the Lamb of God, these two left John and went to follow Jesus. And in verse 38, it says, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? You see, this language of staying is that is used here is similar to the language that we find in John 15 of asking, of, of abiding. With them asking, where is your home? Where are you abiding? Where are you staying? And so Jesus said to them, come and you will see. We find a very similar story in Mark 13, 4, as he appointed the first, uh, the first 12 apostles. John, uh, in Mark 3, 14, sorry. He says, and he appointed 12, whom he also named apostles, so that they might be with him. Jesus' invitation to us as a church is to come and hang out with me, come and spend time with me, to be with him. Jesus uses presence, not present, presence. He doesn't say, come once a week to a temple, learn from me, but he says, come and be with me in life. Come and see, come to me in my everyday world. Come and see my everyday world so that I can be with you in your everyday world. To abide in me is to make your home with me as I make my home with you. When you are in the presence, that means that everything in your home belongs to him and everything in Jesus' home belongs to you. That means that Jesus is able to give you everything you need to have, to have a flourishing life that you will never lack. That Jesus has whatever you don't have to give. That Jesus have, has to give whatever you need is accessible and available to you. But where you have, so where have you been making your home? Where are you finding your comfort and your provisions? You might be asking, well, John, how do I do that? Jesus isn't here. Jesus, with the first apostles, he was able to walk every single day with him. But with me, how do I actually do that? Well, in John 14, if we just take a, a look back at one chapter, it says this. It says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Jesus himself, as he was walking in, on this earth, was empowered by the Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And when you put your faith in Jesus, he doesn't just leave you as an orphan, but he is now in you and with you forever. When you put your faith in Jesus, he makes his home with you, and then he comes into your life, and then he cleans up your home. When he died on the cross, 
That was to clean you from your sins. And he continues to do that to us through pruning. Sometimes that pruning, we may not like it because it hurts or brings out her past hurts. But that pruning produces fruit. If we go back to John 15, it says this. It says that already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Clean. Notice that. You're clean. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're clean. He'll come into your home. He'll clean your home for you. Isn't that great? I wish someone would clean my house for me on the daily. Jesus does that for you. When he died on the cross, he said, I'm going to come and clean you daily. Always. No matter what dirt you have, I'm going to do that. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. So what is this fruit? What is this fruit that Jesus is talking about? Well, this fruit we actually find in Paul's writing in Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 22, 4, verse 22, where Paul writes, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Notice what it says. It says fruit. It's singular, not plural. Sometimes when we look at this verse, we always see the fruits as different fruits. But it's actually all part of one fruit. It's like if you have an orange, it has different types of vitamins that are in there, right? That it has different types of sugars and vitamins and nutrients and, and all those things. So the fruit that it produces is all of these things in one fruit, okay? It's singular. It's not that there are different types of fruit, that this is one fruit. The fruit that is produced, all of these things work together. All love, joy, peace, all of these things actually work together. Sometimes we, we take this and we feel like we need to produce, like we, we talk about, how, oh, I need more patience or I need more or love, I need to, more self-control. But I don't, I don't want us to look at it that way anymore. I want us to see this in a new way because I, th I feel like sometimes when we go to that place, it can become religious and then we can be self-serving in that way where we're not actually relying on Jesus. The fruit that is produced is produced by who? The Spirit. Not by yourself. So when we start separating these things, it's like I need more love, I need more peace, I need more patience, I need more kindness, I need more faithfulness. We start separating those things and feeling that we need to actually accomplish these things where it's not us that actually works on it. This is actually a product of you being in Jesus. It's not that you be like this and then Jesus comes. You see the difference there? The difference is religion versus faith. The difference is religion versus what Jesus could do with us. The fruit is produced by the Spirit. You don't need to try harder to get this. It comes out of you because of the Spirit being in you. It comes out of you because you abide in Jesus. Because the Spirit of God is a Spirit that gives. You can't do what only Jesus can do. I'm going to repeat that. You can't do what only Jesus can do. It's God coming to do something to you and in you, and therefore you are then transformed and empowered to do things. John 14, 12 says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me and does the same work that I do and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will 
do. The Father may be glorified, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will what? Do it. Jesus will do it. The goal here is not to give yourself more things to do. The goal here is to give more of Jesus. It's not to give more of yourself, but to give more of Jesus. And Jesus is there to help you do it. Last week we talked about how God, how Jesus is our Ebenezer stone. That Jesus is our rock of help. He is our helper in this. That we don't need to do these things. The answer to this is be with him. If you read the scriptures and Jesus says to love your enemy, to serve those that hate you, forgive people and hurt, that hurt you 77 times, seven times, and you read that and you say, okay, I could do that, then you're reading the Bible wrong. What is written in the Bible and what Jesus tells us to do is impossible for us to do. You cannot do it to the degree that Jesus is telling you to do it. Because what, it, what this is supposed to do is supposed to remind you that you cannot do it, but Jesus can. And that you need to be dependent on Jesus. That, that when you do these things that the Bible tells you to do, that you represent who Jesus is. It's not you doing it, it's Jesus doing it through you. Because Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says you can do nothing. That no matter how hard you try, you might get to a certain degree of, of accomplishing what Jesus asked you to do, but you will never be able to give the fullness of what Jesus asked you to do. Then what you're giving is only a partial gospel and not the full gospel. We try to do so much to prove that we are worthy of Jesus. But Jesus clearly tells us that you can't do it without me. So if you're trying to do it without me, it will produce nothing. Jesus says, ask in my name and I will do it so the Father may be glorified. Jesus says, I will do it. When this happens in your life, you become transformed and empowered to do the ministry and to be able to give more. Next week, we're starting a new series to follow our last series, Foundations. It's going to be called Formations. And we'll be looking at into the different spiritual gifts that are given to us to do ministry. But before we go into that, we need to know first the basis of how Jesus wants us to do his ministry. And that is to abide with him. We need to understand that this is the first move forward to our next year because it doesn't matter what comes against us. When we're able to understand this of what it means to abide in, in, in Jesus, it doesn't matter what's going to come against us anymore. It doesn't matter that there could be an omega variant that's going to come and that it, it, it won't affect our mission and our vision and what we're doing in, uh, in terms of what God has called us to do in our ministry. Because of the fact that Jesus is saying, I'm going to do it with you. It's no longer up to you. It's no longer up to the things that are, are going to come against you. It's not up to the environment that you're in. But it's about the empowerment of Jesus being with you. That's what abiding in Jesus means. That's what it means when Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. You're tapped into the source. When you're a part of that vine, God becomes 
the vine dresser, and he begins to prune things out of your life. When he begins to prune, I don't know if you guys didn't know anything about planting. I'm starting to learn a little about, about gardening because my wife loves flowers and loves gardens. I have nothing to do with them, but my wife kills all plants. So I'm the one that's responsible to actually keep these plants alive. And because of that, I have some great resources in Carmen and Instagram, and they teach me how to grow plants. And plants need pruning. Did you know that? If you don't prune them, the plant eventually just actually withers. For a plant to be healthy, it actually needs to be pruned. For a plant to produce more, it actually needs to be pruned. When you prune a healthy plant in the right places, what comes out of it is actually more. It actually thrives more. It actually grows more. It actually, you give it the ability to actually pump more resources into producing new things and better things, and, and, and it produces, eventually produces fruit. I have this little orange plant that we got. First year we got it, it was full of oranges. A beautiful thing. Second year, nothing. I had not a single fruit. I had one flower come out because I thought, oh, I'm just going to leave it because it was so beautiful last year. We, we, reaped, we, we, we harvested it. Next year is going to be like, like, like that. No, it doesn't work that way. I found out that if you leave it and do nothing, it actually doesn't produce fruit the next year. You actually have to prune a lot of the extra, what they call, like, it's basically branches that suck the life out of the plant, right? They take all the nutrients so that the plant doesn't, is not able to actually bear fruit. But once you start cutting those down, the plant begins to be able to pump nutrients and doing the right thing, and it produces fruit. So when God does that to our lives, when he, he, he comes into our lives and starts pruning things in our lives and saying, no, those are actually taking you away from what I need you to do. Those branches that are growing, no, those are things that I don't want, so I'm going to prune those things out of your lives. Those are distractions. Those are, 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 are things that you're, you're growing, but they're, they're useless. All they produce is leaves. I want you to produce fruit, so I'm going to cut these branches off. Does it hurt? Yes. Sometimes it hurts a lot. Sometimes we actually have an old growth branch that grows so big and so long that actually that branch grows nothing, and sometimes that one big cut hurts the most. When we have to cut certain things out of our lives, it hurts the most. But why does God do that? Because God wants us to do what? To bear fruit. He wants us to bear fruit, and when people experience that fruit, that God gets the glory. That they get to receive the fullness of what the gospel is about. They get to receive the fullness of who Jesus is in your life. They get to witness the fruits of what's happening in your life. The transformation that's happening in your life. The empowerment that's happening in your life. But what we need to do is we need to what? Be with Jesus. We need to be with him. Jesus just wants you to be able to be with him, to walk with him, to share your everyday life with him so that he could share his everyday life with you. You want to be satisfied this year? The only thing that could satisfy you is Jesus. The only thing that the, that the church could offer is Jesus. What are you abiding in more than Jesus right now in your life? 
what have you tapped into more than tapping into Jesus? I'm not saying prayer is not good. I'm not saying that study is not good. All of those things are great. I'm not saying that meditation is not good. But when you meditate without Jesus, what are you actually meditating on? When you're praying without Jesus, who are you actually praying to? When you read and study without Jesus, what are you actually taking in and what are you actually learning? So as you make your New Year's resolution, instead of trying to do those things more, I, I challenge you and I, to, to kind of reconfigure your heart in that place of, I just want to be with Jesus this year more. I want to spend time with Jesus more. Maybe that is in the stillness of not doing anything. Just being in the presence of Jesus and understanding that his presence is with you and that he's doing things around you all the time. You, you could be cleaning the house. Brother Lawrence washes dishes all day. And he experienced the presence of God. In the mundane things of life, we could experience the presence of God. We don't need... In seminary, there's one point where we were doing this whole study, this whole, I guess, chapter, I don't know, segment, segment in our class in spiritual formation is called Solitude. And we read the, the book Out of Solitude by, by uh, Henry Nouwen, great book, another book if you want to read that. And it always, I always said, okay, in order for me to actually get to that place of meditating and growing with God, I need to be in silence, I need to be, Jesus went to the solitude, he went to the quiet place, he went by himself to pray. So I need to do all that. I need to get myself right, I need to have my Bible, I need to have my journal, I need to get all that stuff. And then by the time you get all of those things, you already miss the presence of Jesus. You know what I mean? That to get into the presence of Jesus is actually very simple. It's actually just getting into that place of saying, Jesus, I'm here. I want to be with you, and I want you to be with me. So let's just start there. Take away the journal. Take away the Bible. Take away the prayer time. Take away all of those things, because oftentimes those become obstacles for us. And once you start practicing the presence of Jesus, then bring back in the Bible. Bring back in... The, the scripture, bring back in the meditation, bring back in all those things, because now you're, you're able to tune into Jesus. You're able to say, oh, why, I, Jesus, we're here together right now. Now teach me your ways. Teach me your ways in your word. Teach me your ways in your prayer. How do I intercede for the city? How do I intercede for this, this pandemic? How do I intercede your heart for, for the world? Then you're going to be empowered to do actually the ministry of Jesus Christ. When I look back at my, 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 my walk with Jesus, most exciting times were actually the times where Jesus spoke to me in the weirdest places. The best times of my ministry were, were times where Jesus is just like, he stops you. And he's like, actually, I want you to turn around. I want you to go down the next block, and I want you to talk to that man that you're going to see. And when I am obedient to that, I see the ministry of God happening. Not through me, because I had no idea that was going to happen. But God, uh, when you, you set yourself in that place, God uses you in a fresh way, in a new way, in a way that you know it's not me. You know it's, it's nothing that you can do, but you learn so much from all those things. So my encouragement for you this, this year, as you set your vision, as you set your goals, as you set your resolutions, as you set everything, 
And as we go through our sermon series for this next year, as I'm, I'm planning these things out, this needs to be the base of, of everything that we do. It's simple, yet it's profound. It's simply abide in me as I abide in you to be with Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for, for your word, for your encouragement. But Lord, we thank you so much that you say that I am the vine, that we are your branches, that we are tapped into who Jesus is. That all that we do, all the help that we need, that everything that we're looking for comes from this, your, your, your son Jesus. So Father God, we just pray Lord, that we learn this year and this season to be with you just to be in your presence, to soak it in, to, 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 to come and allow ourselves to just sit in your presence. So Lord, as we sit in your presence, Lord, give us your vision for this year. Give us your vision for 2022. And no matter what comes at us, Lord, we know that we could do it because you're with us. So Lord, we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor John gave us such a wonderful word this morning, so grounding, thinking about how the scripture says that Jesus is our cornerstone. And the only way he can be the cornerstone in our life is we freshly appreciate this word about abiding. And I loved how John just brought together the aspect, we can't live the Christian life unless we abide in him. And we frustrate our own souls when we try to use our own strength to be like Jesus because it can't happen. And the Lord taught us how to be unfrustrated. He said, abide in me. And it also says, I will abide in you. So not only do we have this invitation to sit with him and be with him, Jesus himself wants to be with us, which is crazy. But that's the kind of intense fellowship and friendship and care and rapport that God wants to develop with every single one of us. Every single one of us. Pastor John is not closer to Jesus than you. Pastor John doesn't have a special place with Jesus. Every single one of us gets to be right next to him. And as we abide, boy, just let us burst with flavor and fruitfulness. And, uh, yeah, just a, a wonderful and wonderful word. And, you know, this song, I think, is uh, just a great anthem for us going into the new year. He is our way maker. He is the one that is the, the light in the midst of our darkness. And so, Jesus, we declare that you are here. Even though we don't feel it, it doesn't mean that something's not happening. Even though the circumstances don't confirm it, it doesn't mean that you're not doing something sovereignly. And so cause us to be a people of faith as we abide in you. When we abide in you, you reside in us. And, God, there's nothing more thrilling and that's what we need, God. So we commit ourselves afresh. Lord, let your Holy Spirit and your presence be on us and draw us, God. Break the spirit of distraction. Lord, the culture is against abiding. But we break, God, that spirit of distraction. Even temptation, God. The temptations of the flesh that come to us. Let there be a fresh release, a fresh freedom, a fresh ability, God, to just enter into Jesus Christ. We give you thanks. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you for the power of the preached word. We thank you for the power of the word 
spoken under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that it transforms us and moves us to a new place. So we thank you, God, this morning in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. We will see you next week.